You're listening to Go with Jamarlin Martin. We have a go hard or go home approach as we talk to the leading tech leaders, politicians, and influencers. Let's go. We're in the Venice office of Google, and we have Bria Sullivan today. Welcome to the show, Bria. I'm happy to be here. I'm happy for you to join me here. Okay, so let's dive right into your story. You're from Kilikau, Southern California. Okay. Uh, You know, uh, walk us through, you know, growing up, you know, you get into engineering Mm -hmm. and you get to Google. Yeah, so um, I grew up in Chino Hills. Um, It's about an hour outside of L.A. And um, I grew up with mostly white people, um, mostly around white people. Um, So I was pretty much like an outcast and, um, you know, always trying to fit in. Um, And anyway, like I was really good at math and science, and I never even knew what an engineer was. Um, It wasn't until we had to like apply for college that I was like, okay, well, I don't want to be broke. And it was during the recession that I was applying to college. It was like in 2008. And I was like, I don't want to be like all my friends' parents who are like down and out and losing their homes and stuff. What can I do to get a job right out of college? Um, And that will pay me a good amount of money. And it looked like engineering jobs were the top paid and nuclear engineering was number one paid and I was like ah that sounds horrible (laughs) so I'm gonna do the next one it just said and I was like computer engineering sure and I just applied to colleges that way and I still had no idea what it was until the first couple weeks and I ended up falling in love with it Um, I learned that mobile apps is programming who knew and um, I was like okay well mobile is probably going to be the future because there's only been like one droid and one iPhone so far and I wanted to uh, make sure to be part of that. So early on, you're into math and science. Mm-hmm. Where does that come from? Uh, yeah. Like, you know, who's kind of supporting that spark uh, mm-hmm. in your household or externally? It's weird because nobody really. Like yeah. my, my mom worked a lot and my dad wasn't like he was there, but he wasn't like mentally um, like there. They had no idea what I was doing. I just like really loved logic. Um, but I loved art too. Like I always like to, I don't think that it's just because I'm like a math or science nerd. I loved the arts. I loved doing any creative things. So it was really hard to choose. And I, because I didn't know what computer science was, I just chose it. But I just loved calculus and stuff like that because it just made sense to me. But there was no one saying, are you doing your homework? Are you doing this? Are you doing that? It was just, my parents just asked me, hey, are you going to college? And I'm like, yep. And so you're uh, what I would call an oddball on the possible the the racial front but were you a oddball being into math and science on the gender front as well early on yeah 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 um I was definitely one of the only girls um who was really good at math um but I mean most of the girls in in school were really smart like in high school were really smart but I don't know why it was just like English and yeah, yeah English and stuff didn't make sense to me but uh math and physics it was just super easy for some reason and that was and I was the only person really okay got it and then you go to college Mm -hmm. uh can you talk about that and then applying to jobs after that yeah so I went to Cal Poly San Luis Obispo another like really white place I think their town population is like 90 percent white um they're in my graduating class I think there were 143 black people, or no, in the whole school was 143 black people out of 22,000. 
And um, anyway, like in college, um, since I didn't know anything about programming, when I first got there, my first winter break, I just bought a book when Borders was closing. I bought all of the um, Android development books and just started teaching myself. And I launched my first app and it flopped. It was horrible. Um, and then my so the summer between my freshman and sophomore year is when I launched a good app and it was really successful. Did you have a mentor or is this just no, you? Just, just me. trial and error. Yeah. Good. Trial and error, just kicking it and watching like tech be this thing that everyone cared about. And, that, uh, yeah, but I wish I had mentors cause I probably would have not failed as many times. I mean, I, I love failing. I feel like failing is part of success, but um, I, it would have been nice to have some guidance for sure. Yeah. Okay. So you graduate. Yeah. I had internet Microsoft a few times and I made apps for um, wineries just to pay for getting through college. Walk us through your job search mm -hmm. after graduation. <laughs> Um, well, I had already, like, I had interned at Microsoft, and I didn't have good experiences, um, but I just wanted to have an offer coming out of it, so I just interviewed again right after my internship, and then I got an offer, um, and I had prepared to interview at all these really wonderful places that I really wanted to go to, like Google or, um, like, even a startup. Um, but my younger sister ended up getting cancer, so I had to cancel all my interviews and just accepted an offer. So I didn't really have a job search. I tried, but it uh, as soon as I tried, then all that happened. So, yeah. Okay, and then when do you go back on the market? Uh, so I went back right at... So I went straight to Microsoft, and it was not a good experience for the full year that I was there. It just wasn't um, being... So again, I go to I go to Washington, Redmond, Washington. There aren't a lot of people who look like me there. The culture is a lot different. There's no sun there. Like I went to a beach school, so I go. It's raining yeah. all the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, I get there, and I'm just I wasn't doing well, to be honest. On top of that, I was like being like beat up at home and um, by like my partner at the time and it was just like a lot and I wasn't doing well and then finally my manager's like hey uh, you should probably look for another job and that's when my first job search started okay <laughs> yeah and walk us through that I really just wanted to go home I wanted to come back home to California and um, right when I had like reached my breaking point in Seattle, that's when uh, a Google recruiter reached out to me. He was like, hey, you got through the interview process, but you never finished it. Like, do you want to finish it? And I was like, sure. And I started and I didn't realize how much you really needed to study for technical interviews. So I was just like hardcore studying for our audience uh yeah. can you define technical interview yeah. yeah so technical interview meaning like you get uh when you go on site or you have like a phone screen it's not just a personality test or asking about your projects it's basically a like a midterm almost where someone will ask you some hard problem and you have to use just whatever knowledge is in your mind to try and solve it um, and use a bunch of algorithms. You don't know which algorithm they're going to want, but you have to know all of them to know how to solve these problems. And so a phone screen can be is one, and then for the full um, on-site interviews, it's five-hour-long interviews of doing uh, a different problem each time. 
Okay, got yeah. it. Uh, so, you know, they're measuring your, your critical thinking skills, problem-solving skills. Uh, I wish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's mostly like measuring your ability to remember algorithms um, and, your, and to apply them and also how to communicate um, what's, what's going on in your mind. Um, that's usually what they're trying to do. They want you to walk through because you can solve it. And if you don't say anything, then you're not going to get hired. Like, no matter if you get all the questions right or not. Okay, got um, it. Yeah. You're talking to the recruiter. You yeah. go back in. What happens? Yeah. So um, I studied probably three hours a day for on weekdays and five hours a day on weekends. And then when I finally uh, – I scheduled Snapchat right before, and I scheduled a bunch of interviews. Um, I bombed Snapchat. I did not do good at all. But luckily, like, that kind of got my – uh, got me thinking like, okay, I really need to start practicing in this environment. And, um, I had Google the next week and that was, so like, it sounds like yeah. a big piece of this is just yeah. preparation. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. but it's also because I had friends that worked at Google who could like point me to the resources that they used, or I had friends that, um, were serial career jumpers, but they're very successful at it. So they, um, gave me some of their knowledge or, or they gave me some of the resources that they used. Would it be fair to say that you knew more about what to expect at Google than Snapchat? Absolutely. Yeah. You get through the interview process. Yeah. You start at Google. Uh, yeah. What year is this? End of 2015. And are you in a big culture shock coming yeah. from Microsoft to Google? Yeah. So at Microsoft, because it was on main campus, and when I was at Google, or now at Google, I'm at like an, a smaller campus. Um, it's an offsite campus in L.A. Um, Microsoft being like the big hub, there's 40,000 people there. Um, like in just like the racial and gender microaggressions all the time there. And then I come here and I don't have that as much. And I don't have people asking me to write essays just to go to outreach events. Like that. for our audience, can you yeah. define a microaggression in the workplace? Uh, me. So one example, the one that I use the, the most often is when, um, there were, black interns coming in at Microsoft and I was like their social coordinator and I had a bunch of welcome boxes and my lead came in and said what are these and they said well these are welcome boxes for the blacks at Microsoft interns and he's like "Ugh, Microsoft uh, we have to be so politically correct nowadays what are you doing for all the white interns and I'm like uh and he just walks out yeah yeah so it's just like me he just like didn't understand why employee resource groups exist or why they help people and um that's one example or just even saying like even just pointing out your hair all the time or yeah yeah how frequent do you receive microaggressions here not very often but specifically in my office but i also am like i do a lot of stuff so i feel like people know not to do that and yeah. we have a lot more training here and a lot more people uh, non-people uh, non of color who will check others for microaggressions. I want to share with you a great company called TopTal. That's T-O-P-T-A-L. This is a company that I use if you're in the market for a freelancer, uh, whether it's an engineer or a designer. This is one of the leading companies that's going to help you identify and hire top freelancing talent. Uh, you can go to moguldom.com forward slash TopTal. You click on that link and register and someone will get right back to you to get more information. Be sure to uh, check out TopTal. 
You hear black uh, professionals in tech talk a bit about imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. That you faced that starting here. Oh, yeah. Uh, I still go through it, but it's not until, like, I started, like, really doing well and seeing that I am doing better than people who, than the people that are deemed as really smart. Um, that I was like, okay, maybe I do have a position here, but this is like within the past few months that I felt this, but it, every, like, um, every performance review, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to get needs improvement. I would get needs improvement. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, you're doing really well. So can you define yeah. imposter syndrome for the audience? Yeah. Um, imposter syndrome, meaning like, uh, you, it's like this feeling like you cheated the system and you got somehow got in and you're nowhere near as good as everyone else here and, but you really and, are yeah, yeah and it feels like someone's gonna figure you out at some at some point and it still feels like that sometimes especially yeah. outside of my team um but like in my own team it is a lot better now are you familiar uh with a theory called stereotype threat uh yes but i don't remember the exact definition okay so stereotype threat is because there's low expectations, for example, using uh, black students mm -hmm. uh, in an academic setting, because uh, the culture has low expectations mm -hmm. for black students, that filters in through the actual performance. Yeah, that, so I would say that that affected me more when I was at Microsoft yeah. because I felt, I felt that yeah. with uh, my manager and my lead. Like I felt... They were signaling low expectations. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but here I had a manager that very much held everyone to a very high bar. What's an average day, uh, for you, uh, as an engineer? Uh, I know it's like, as you could me just, or yeah. as a p typical engineer, for, for I'm you, different. For you. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I have to get up early because I just, uh, I like to get my outside of work stuff done. Uh, but it's usually like. I guess I'm being a little dramatic. The average day is pretty relaxed compared to any other profession that I've been in, um, where you just like, you come in, you figure out what you need to do for the day, um, and you just have to do it, and no one's really checking on you or anything, and you just have to maybe communicate what you're doing to others, um, but also like taking a lot of breaks to make sure that your brain is like, uh, working properly. So that's why we have like game rooms and stuff here. Um, but me in particular, like, because I have so many outside of work projects, um, I, my taking time away is working on my other projects or at least like responding to email, um, uh, or just making sure that like, that I'm on track to achieve like the goals that I want outside of work. What specific products are you working on right now? Or apps. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the apps I decided to take a break on mostly because I felt like they weren't like they weren't leading me to where I feel like my um, my soul wants me to go. Yeah. I don't feel like it spoke to like who I am. Um, so it's like, yeah, I, I was able to use those things to help people because now I have those skills to help people. Um, but I work on uh I have a course right now for non-technical startup founders um, to help them hire technical talent better and also just how to navigate um, the tech space because they're not, they don't have that the, the this, technical knowledge. Would this yeah. course be under Google or something outside of Google? Outside of Google, okay, got it. yeah. yeah. Um, I just wrapped up my Smithsonian project where we, had, uh, we did a permanent installation for the African-American Smithsonian. 
your role is not necessarily pure like hey i'm coding all day yeah. you're involved with like different projects yeah that's why yeah. yeah that's why i like um i like coding here specifically um i there is a lot of project that i can that i can even find within google if i want to work on other things but coding is probably 40% of my time not uh, while I'm here like in the office it, yeah it's probably about 40 percent of my time but it's a lot of helping people and communicating ideas and making sure to unblock people and stuff like that so I read about uh you working with Google um on this project for the African American Museum uh, mm-hmm. in DC can you mm-hmm. talk a little bit about that yeah so basically the uh Smithsonian it was commissioned in like 2006 I think that George Bu- George Bush is who approved it um, and it was Dr. Lonnie Bunch who's been trying who created this museum and he basically wanted this museum to be the most advanced Smithsonian to date more than air and space more than American history more than any of them um, so he came to Google and had like a an event and just had a talk and said hey black people at Google someone help me and the only person who said yes to him was my team lead, Travis McPhail. And he was like, I have a PhD in 3D rendering. What do you want from me? And they and he basically uh, worked really hard to get Google to say yes to for him to try and find other Googlers to help him. And uh, I was of people who could have like volunteered um i think i was the first and one of the only ones at first um and then we basically had to create this new exhibit that showcased artifacts that, and you're working yeah. with other googlers from other yeah. offices it's not yeah. just this office yeah, yeah um i was the only one in this office one was from um the actual like physical hardware team that we have within google um, and we had Travis, who's in um, who's in Seattle. He heads one of the mobile maps rendering teams, and then um, another Googler, Jelani, um, and he's based in San Francisco. And those are all the engineers. So there was just four engineers working on it for like two years. So you mentioned uh, you're working on uh, courses for non-technical founders. Mm -hmm. What problem are you solving there? A lot of the non-technical founders that I work with, um, with the Neighborhood Start Fund, um, that are from underrepresented neighborhoods around the U.S., a lot of the issues that they face because they aren't technical is not knowing how to hire technical talent. So they just hire whoever seems okay and... uh, just they to don't check, really check a box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they just are like, hey, I need a website that does this or I need a mobile app that does this, but nothing really specific. And they don't really know how to vet people. So they ended up wasting like a lot of their investments uh, or their investment money on that. And like they've all said like they wish that they knew how to um, how, how to vet people better and how to even communicate their ideas better to an engineer because there's like, uh, and even manage engineers because they don't know, they're just yeah. like waiting for months. Like imagine wanting to create a product and it's like your entire life is writing on it and you don't hear about it. Yeah. Like you don't know what's going on. Like, so it's trying to help them actually be a part of their product. Can you talk about um, how rigid uh, mm-hmm. some investors or programs are where, yeah. hey, we're not going to mess with you unless you have a technical co-founder. Yeah. yeah, so the only people who will really invest um, in someone that doesn't have uh, a technical co-founder or a, bun- a te- or technical talent, um, they it is usually an angel investor. 
Um, but even like angel sophisticated investments really investors hard. are generally like, hey, Mark Zuckerberg was an engineer. The Google guys, these guys, mm-hmm. engineers. Yeah. We want an engineer. Generally, generally speaking. No, they don't necessarily want engineer. They need an engineer on the founding team. Yeah. Or they need the ability to, that they've shown the ability to hire because it also is reflected in your product. Like, to be honest, you can't really have a good product if you have no idea what was going. I mean, that's very rare if that happens. Yeah. Yeah. How can you lead and you can't talk coding engineering mm. language essentially? Yeah, you. Yeah. yeah, imagine having to manage a team and not know. They tell you what like, "Hey, doing. boss, we're gonna get it done in three months." You don't have, you you don't even have a framework to yeah analyze that. One of the one of the founders that I've worked with, what ended up happening is he just let the developers like do what they were doing because they were kind of delivering. It looked like they were delivering, but turns out they're using this random framework that they had that he was having to pay for for them to use. So not even like a native mobile app or anything like that. Some random framework that's super outdated. And he spent like over $50,000 on those developers. And he has something he has to scrap completely. Because like no one knows how to use that language. He could have in the beginning just said, I want iOS up written in iOS. I want to, or written in Swift or whatever. I need a native Android app. He d- couldn't even say that. And that even, even that would have saved him a lot more money. You talked about you mentoring and helping uh, other um, black and brown professionals get jobs, higher paying jobs, mm-hmm. and kind of navigate some of the complexity of mm-hmm. finding, uh, you know, the right opportunities or getting hired. Yeah. So I focus mostly on adults. Um, a lot of the outreach that I've done prior uh, was, you know, like people focus on kids and kids and kids and kids. Like I've taught kids. It's great. It's fun. It, like I use the same curriculum for kids that I do with adults. It's great. Like they do need more exposure, but it lacks accountability. Like we are count, we're banking on them choosing that career. We're not forcing them into that career. Right. But like a lot of where we're trying to help people are in these like early stages when there's already adults with kids right now that say oh I wish I knew how to code like so many of the kids parents that I that I work with they say like yeah I wish I could do that well at least like my kid can but I'm just like but you can too like you can too yeah so but there are so many adults who want to do that but they don't really have they don't know how they're like okay someone told me to do a boot camp but what happens after that And I felt like this is where I could actually have some impact and some quantifiable impact because, yeah, a kid might choose something because you showed them this thing one time. But I feel like versus their kid watching their parent take take their whole family into a different class, like a different wealth class by doing a job that they're really passionate about. And I feel like that's something more, like a lot of the white kids that I went to school with, their parents were programmers or they lived in like Silicon Valley or something like that. And their parents introduced them into this. And it's hard when the parents aren't there to like show them, um, show them the way or like if they go home and they don't have someone to mentor them. So that's why I focus on adults. Um, So that was the beginning of it. And now um, I just like reached out to a few of the people that I know that did boot camps that have been having a hard time getting hired. And it seems more common that these people of color who went to these boot camps, they had to get a personal loan just to take a boot camp and then they're unemployed. So now they have to pay back this loan and they don't even have a job. 
So uh, I felt like me being a Google engineer, even just me say, reaching out to someone and saying, hey, you should take this person seriously. That at least gets them pa- a phone screen. Yeah. So I want. So you're kind of putting your neck out on behalf of the candidates. Yeah. 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 So mostly because like a lot of what helped me was I went to a school that people hire from. Like I went and I have friends because of the school I went to that are at these different places. But a lot of these people, they're it's their first time like getting into tech. Yeah. So they don't know any they don't know anybody. They don't really know what they're what these companies are looking for. So uh, basically, like what I do is I just like I'm with them all the way until they get a job and just like checking in on them. Um, improving their resume because like you know there's resume workshops but it's very particular when it comes to technical resumes google uh uh, and facebook of course they publish their diversity stats Mm -hmm. for some tech companies it's been like pulling teeth in terms of getting the companies to share more and more data Mm -hmm. and Uh, some of them lie yeah about their data they're like oh you know tech-ish tech-ish or yeah If you really love the Go Podcast, one way to support us is going to moguldom.com, M-O-G-U-L-D-O-M.com forward slash survey. Fill out that quick survey. That gives us better information on our audience. It helps us with our sponsors. Uh, That's one big way you can support us and keep our movement going. Go to moguldom.com forward slash survey. Thank you. I'm going to put a cape on. Okay. Put my cape on for Google and Facebook. Uh Uh-huh. If I'm there, I'm saying, look, we want to hire the best engineers, period. Mm-hmm. We're not getting into all the politics. We're not trying to fix mm-hmm. everything uh, that other people have done. Uh, but we're just trying to find the top engineers in the world. Mm-hmm. And part of the problem is a cultural issue in black America, right, we see athletes, we see entertainers, mm-hmm. people dancing, people rapping, people, mm-hmm. you know, doing either athletic stuff and being successful or something entertainment related. Mm-hmm. And right. And so a lot of the parents and the kids are put through kind of these tunnels, mm-hmm. right, to success. Absolutely. Hey, my kid is going to Washington State playing football. Yes. You know, let's yeah. have a barbecue for that kid. So, yeah. so these things are put at a premium in black culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if we want more black engineers mm-hmm. uh, like yourself at a Google, at a Facebook, at a Snapchat, mm-hmm. there's going to have to be an optimization within the culture yeah. where the parents and us yeah. as a community yeah. put a premium well, on this stuff. That's yeah. why. That's part of why I am trying to do what I do. Like most of the people that I do. You think I that's do, fair? That's yeah, fair. Like they're, they're no, so. So the reason they don't hire like this is the, the, a misconception. They don't change their bar for anyone. Like Google in general. Like for like hiring people, there's just one bar. The only thing that's different before they wouldn't even give a phone screen pass an, a resume without a 4 point or without something over 3.5 and then all they've done really is to like ask uh, or sorry they uh just recruit at more places because they google used to never even go to hbcus yeah it wasn't until the work of like top tier uh, ivy or yeah or, but it's like okay so you, like you guys created a pipeline problem because it's hard as hell to get into 
uh, to get into those top 10 schools. So just because someone can't get into those top 10 schools means that they're like not going to be yeah, but- good. So uh, I think that because they've opened their doors more um, to just like, I think the vetting process just for like a, a, for a phone screen, just to even get to know them. Cause if they look more at projects and the really like cool things that they've done, then I think that's what started a little bit of a shift. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I have a, uh, a story about kind of the elitism mm-hmm. uh, in uh, recruiting at mm-hmm. uh, some of the top companies. My first job out of college was at McKinsey and company. I was a recruiting assistant mm-hmm. and my supervisor, uh, her name was uh, Penelope uh, at the McKinsey office in Atlanta. Uh, and my job was to sort out kind of SAT scores, uh, LSAT, GRE, uh, and pair them with transcripts and kind of move folks over to a good batch. Mm-hmm. And so there was a, a white applicant from Kennesaw State University. Mm-hmm. He scored. He had a perfect score on his SAT. He had a 4.0, uh, and I put him in the good batch. Uh, and Penelope uh, threw his file in the trash this is the, the white applicant and mm-hmm. here you you have um someone you know of course you're you're equalizing everybody because he's competing with everyone and he scores perfect on the sat he comes from kennesaw state hey it's not a well-known school but hey mm-hmm. the sat kind of backs up that this guy uh is extraordinary mm-hmm. right uh and what she said was wrong school and kind of mm-hmm. that's kind of the the dominant elite Silicon Valley recruiting posture or it has been, but to your point, it's opening up uh, a bit yeah. in terms of, you know, looking kind of more at broader more school. Scope. Yeah. yeah. Like uh, more schools or just like a wider variety of experience um, that has started, but there, I mean, I think that there's a lot more that will help. Yeah. It, but also the bar for hiring someone that isn't out of school is extremely high. Like, I don't know if I could get back in if I had to leave. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, like, they have a policy where I can. But, I mean, if I had to interview right now, I don't know if I could. So going back mm-hmm. uh, to this point where, you know, when you look at all these voices and, right, they're they're banging against Google, they're banging against Facebook, they're banging against the big venture capital firms, like, this system, mm-hmm. they're banging against Google, they're banging against Facebook, they're banging against the, the VC firms, Uh and they're like, hey, you guys are the problem. You guys need to change. This system needs to change. Mm-hmm. But do you hear voices within our community, the black community, strong voices saying, look, yeah, you know, there's some things that Google and Facebook and big tech can change, mm-hmm. but there's not enough energy over things that we can control in mm-hmm. terms of saying uh, that we need to reprogram and optimize the culture mm-hmm. and get more Bria's uh, than want to be LeBron James. Nothing against LeBron. He's mm-hmm. great. But I'm just saying that we are overweight uh, sports and entertainment mm-hmm. uh, and we are underweight tech, engineering, math and science. Mm-hmm. And the, you know, the global economy is optimizing for math, science, tech. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so Facebook and Google can't fix how we raise our kids or what we promote or what we yeah. value, right? Yeah. Uh, do you believe we need more of that? I mean, it's both. It's both. 
um, because I do think that there are a lot of black and brown people that are getting overlooked that are qualified to be at a lot of these companies. And I think that that that's one part of it. Um, it's not that it's not like they reach the end of their rope. They've done all that they can because I don't believe that they've done all that they can. But I will say like, but this is personal experience for me. Um, like when I said I was like in an abusive relationship and stuff, I was with someone that was like super a black guy who was super into sports. He always like called me a geek and he always like put me down for being a geek. And so did his friends. His friends that like That's, they were all didn't yeah. they, they all were all bums for the most part. Like for <laughs> Like yeah, seriously, yeah. like <laughs> yeah, but that's what I'm saying. That's a that's an issue yeah. in the culture. Like yeah, yeah and like then a, like they would call me a geek and stuff. I'm just like like we're sitting in the same place right now, and you like I like I'm doing really well in my life, and like I'm not gonna talk anything about like what you've done, but like you're not in a place to be criticizing the life choices that I've made. Yeah. Um. So it was weird, and it's and it's especially weird like talking to people who are saying like oh yeah i can't wait to have kids so i can you know raise a good basketball player football player ba or baseball player or something like that like they want to breed sports. athletes and <laughs> rappers and stuff like that it's it's really weird it's it's hard because i think that that is one part of it but there are a lot of people who are who want to do this too um like there are um a lot of people who do glorify those things because they do see past all they do see past all of the like hood dreams or whatever Cause, like the reason why I do what I do with helping people um is because I feel like we focus a lot on these like pipeline hood dreams these like one in a million dreams that happens because like with basketball the chance of like if you fall along the way are you gonna be okay a little bit not really, you know, but at least like lotto tickets. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but like if you but if you kind of fail along the way in the tech community, I feel like you end up pretty okay. Um just if you like if you're trying to get all the way to a top, I want to be a CEO, I want to be that or something like that. I feel like even if you don't do that, um the knowledge that you pick up along the way is so lucrative. Let me uh tighten up my question. Okay. Again. So, I see a lot of people bang against silicon valley and big tech yeah the voices are out there yeah the movements are out there yeah. right you guys uh need to change yeah right uh you guys have a lot of stuff to fix mm -hmm. but i do not see kind of you know you mentioned that hey there's 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 two sides of the problem but both are serious it's so much easier to bang against twitter facebook Silicon Valley, VCs, then to look introspectively mm -hmm. at our community yeah. and say, regardless of what has happened before, mm -hmm. regardless of how that happened, yeah. what can we do today mm -hmm. to optimize our culture? Yeah. I think it's hard because I do have a community of people who are really passionate about this yeah. and who uh, like black people who are really passionate about like making this community a lot better and like to focus more on that but then yes there is this whole thing where we're where we're not focusing on these stem jobs like this is a very unpopular opinion no one a lot of people don't agree with me but i think it's just the engineer in me or whatever but um stem has been changed to steam um to be including the arts like 
the arts are great, but the arts are something that people are already choosing. But I think that we need to start glorifying this lifestyle because it is a very stable lifestyle because not everybody is an entrepreneur just the same way. Not everybody is um, n- not everybody is like a professional basketball player or a rapper or, or a successful rapper or at that. Um, but I think everyone has the capacity to learn how to code. Um, we all have computers. Your phone is a computer. There's apps for learning how to code. Like I just, I just feel like it's a no-brainer yeah. t- to at least like have the knowledge because even the knowledge with um, a non-tech field, um, everything's going to be tech-enabled at some point. So having that knowledge on top of like a really strong art skill is beneficial. So, yeah. And even like, I mean, there's a bunch of engineers who play basketball and then like if they eventually there's going to need to be like some robotics and stuff to help basketball players. Who's going to make that? Probably someone who, who, whoever's successful at that is probably good at both. So after the Cambridge Analytica scandal uh, involving Facebook, and there's a lot of pressure on Facebook. uh, uh, And one of the, the things that Facebook was attacked uh, for by the Congressional Black Caucus was mm-hmm. their diversity problem. And some of the members of the caucus uh, were saying, we're tired of waiting. We're tired of waiting for Silicon Valley to to make, uh, you know, major improvements around diversity. Mm-hmm. And so Sheryl Sandberg meets with the Congressional Black Caucus while they're under, under a lot of pressure, of mm-hmm. course, with the uh, Cambridge Analytica Russia investigation. Sheryl Sandberg uh, is quoted in the media as saying, we're going to hire an African-American to the board. Do you have, does that make you feel a certain way? Let's say Sheryl Sandberg, she, you know, she's getting pressure. There's a yeah. lot of political heat. And she says, I'm going to, hi- we're going to hire an African-American to the board. And then she later hires Kenneth Chenault, uh, former uh, CEO of Amex. Does it make you feel in a certain way? I think a lot of the decisions made in Silicon Valley are cop-outs. Um, I feel like they're patches to a, to a real solution. Trump, he's been at uh, speeches and he goes, look at my African-American over there. Yeah. Look at my African-American. I just felt like the way it comes across. uh, Yeah, it's like, look at at our residential black. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's like, man, we're going (laughs) to hire an African-American so you guys could shut up. It's just, it seems like they just fumble at almost everything uh, related to PR in terms of Facebook. This is my problem. I feel like they hire the whitest black candidate. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. they they hire someone who's exactly like them, but black. Let's talk about that. I'm glad you brought that up because when you look at a lot of the black people that Silicon Valley, they love, right? Uh, The ones that they hire. You probably want to hire someone who can help you with PR. Mm-hmm. Right, give you some good PR. Possibly check the box on the gender front and the race uh, front. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the end of the day, in terms of whether it's real change, this person yeah. is this person going to push real change? Yeah. Is it just Silicon Valley Clarence Thomas? Meaning that Clarence yeah. Thomas would be to the right of a lot of white races, right? Mm-hmm. They Bush, at least in, in in my point of view, uh, is that it's easier to get. Uh, your your nominee through maybe you 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 spice it up and it's a black guy and then you can get some other people coming because mm-hmm. it looks more liberal but yeah, it's it still rotten obvious. inside yeah it's it still feels rotten very inside obvious, right? yeah yeah it's you- it's weird because I feel like they uh, 
I think even in the black community, we fall for it a lot. Like we cheer on that. Like, yes, it's really great that that person is there, but we're it's just like, being played. And, and, yeah. And they, just stick, they just wrap up really bad stuff in a black face, mm-hmm. keeps the pressure off. Yeah. Nothing really changes. Yeah. And I feel like they uh, like actually put someone in a position of like they are running an organization, like a full like all of Google Maps is run by a black person or something like that. Um, That's more meaningful than a diversity kind of. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, there's, a, like, you have a black person that heads diversity. Yeah. Okay? Like, yeah. Thanks. I have someone who can empathize with me, and but at the end of the day, they work for you, you know? Does tech have a Clarence Thomas problem? Does, like, the diversity issue, as it relates to black uh, folks, uh, do we have a Clarence Thomas problem where, hey, we may get, uh, black professionals in some of these higher roles, but they're not really checking for the community. They're just looking to get a check. They're very fearful. They're not going to shake anything up. Mm-hmm. That's kind of why they're hired. They're not going to really rock the boat, mm-hmm. but stop thinking that, Hey, you know, one hire or a couple of black executive hires is really going to move the needle. Uh, Again, that goes back to my point. I feel like they hire someone that meets exactly their qualifications. And I feel like this is a problem. And when I was saying there's like a hiring problem, a lot of what people are asking for is like they don't realize that they're asking for a white person. Like they're not specifically doing that, but only for the most part, mostly white people will qualify for the, uh, the criteria that they give. And they might find a black person that does, and it might, and it's probably not going to be the type of black person that is actually going to do the thing that they that we want because it's what they want. Like they they just they didn't change anything about what they were looking for. So, um, right, yeah, so and gonna, we we absolutely do have that problem. Yeah, so I'm gonna uh, put my cape on uh, for Google for a second, uh, <laughs> and so Google's diversity numbers are not really moving as it relates to uh, black, black people, tech yeah. professionals. Mm-hmm. If Google says, look, our black engineers are heavily sought after by other companies looking to get their diversity numbers up, right? And kind of the first place and the easy and the lazy way to do this is that, hey, I'm going to look at Facebook. I'm going to look at Google. I'm going to look at the top companies and we're just going to go try to pick off their black engineers, right? Mm-hmm. And we're going to help diversify our teams, mm-hmm. right? That's a lot easier uh, in, in, in many cases uh, than kind of going out and trying to find them and doing the work and building the recruiting systems to go out to Howard and to go out to Morehouse and Spelman uh, and other universities. So Google could say, hey, our engineers are heavily recruited, our black engineers this this puts additional pressure on moving our numbers up because kind of this is the first place you want to go to based on our volume mm-hmm. and quality. The company's kind of, hey, I'm just going to pick off the black Google engineers. That's mm-hmm. how we're going to diversify our workforce. Yeah. Honestly, what's been keeping me here, like people hit me up all the time, but what keeps me here is the support that I have from my like my team, my manager, just like I can say any radical thing I want or check someone and I'm not reprimanded for it. Or I I haven't really had to do that, at least on my immediate team. 
But for the most part, like I have a manager who will stick up for me and will say like, don't talk over her or something like that. Um, and that's actually pretty rare. And so like my team is one of the most diverse teams at Google. Um, we have right now we have two black interns on top of that. We have three black engineers on our team. Um, one of which who's a black woman, she's um, one of the leads. Um, and so all of that happened just because my manager did that on purpose. It doesn't happen by accident. He was like, no, my team is going to be diverse and I don't, and otherwise we're not going to have a good product. And um, I don't think that that is the norm at Google. So people leave because they don't have that type of support. Um, so that's where Google can help. But they are, this is my issue and I really hope I don't get fired for this. Our diversity stuff that we do like the um like howard west and um our engineering our, our google in residence program which is head headed by um, a black woman their team is so understaffed and under um funded underfunded basically like they have to just figure out how to do amazing things with a not that much money uh i mean it, it's a it's a it's decent. It's more than probably any other company is going to give them, but it's not something I think that they take that serious. So that's why it's a little bit harder um, because they are heavily, like we get a lot of engineers from those schools now that we weren't getting before, at least for interns. And it's starting to get better. Do you see any kind of common themes with some of the uh, black engineers that you've befriended here mm -hmm. uh, and possibly at other Google offices? Uh, they leave why do they leave? Is there any kind of uh, mm -hmm. uh, theme that you're seeing, pattern? Uh, usually a manager that doesn't fight for them. Um, the Like when uh, you say a manager is not fighting for them, uh, give me some examples. Um, your manager matters a lot when you're getting promoted. So when your manager isn't like fighting for you or, uh, or if they're not absolutely determined uh, to give you uh, – if they're not dedicated to your success at Google, um, that probably is something. But um, I'm not sure if like the whole, like for me, if I don't have a manager that is really excited about all the diversity stuff that I do, I would leave. Like that's how it was at Microsoft and I was like a, a rescue dog when I came back here. We were like shaking like, is it okay if I you know, teach a little kid, like a, some kids or whatever. And they're like, oh yeah, here's some money, go do it. Um, so I feel like in other teams where they're like, uh, we don't want you doing that. We want you doing these other things that might contribute. Um, yeah. And there are a lot of senior people here who are what you were saying. Like they don't really shake the table really engineering wise. You developed an app, uh, Sultrology. Oh, Sutrology. Sutrology. <laughs> I'm totally chopping it up. <laughs> Say it again. Sutrology. Sutrology. Like sutra okay, and, sultra. and astrology. Okay, got it. You're like, man, this guy never read that book. It's uh, okay. <laughs> um, talk about uh, the app that you developed and what it does. <laughs> so um, it is an app that shows, um, zo sorry, sex positions and sexual and relationship compatibility based on zodiac signs okay yeah. got it uh and i saw that it had like four out of five stars in the app store you know talk about building it and mm -hmm. kind of you know what's what's yeah. the kind of next step for it well when i first built it that was the app that did super successful when i was in college um it got like eleven thousand downloads within the first week 
it went crazy. And but this was a time where people were still downloading apps. Um, but it it was me and another person who she was writing the content and I was doing the developing, but then it started to be me starting to write the content and do the marketing and do the developing and doing the design. So it was one of those like, hey, I'm doing 90% of the work and you still want to split this 50-50. And when I made Sutrology, it was the, it, it was that app revamped because it got taken down off the app store. Um, and it was that app revamped and I just like rebranded it as my own and like just did all the design how I wanted it and it's been doing it's, it does pretty well but it again I stopped because like do I want to be this sexual compatibility girl no <laughs> that's not what I want my mark to be on the world and but, but professionally it really yeah. helped in your development right you just kind of put it got me hired yeah. it gets me hired wherever I want yeah. because it has downloads I have I know how to talk product i know how to like communicate the these things it as yeah, well. it has yeah. reviews so it got it gets me it gets it got me interviews so that's what um what i'm thankful for it for it helped me get to where i am for sure and i always encourage the people that i help to do something like that because it's because coming out of a boot camp like you were saying with the, oh i don't like the school some people don't like boot camps yeah. so i'm like a project really show is somewhere where you can showcase your skills Okay, got it. So for the, the audience out there, um, what are some key takeaways uh, from, you know, you building your career um, and being an engineer, developing your own apps? Uh, what are some key takeaways that could help, you know, some members of our audience uh, in terms of success, professional yeah. success in tech? Yeah. Um, so I'm guessing there are probably a lot of people listening that want to break into tech that don't have technical skills, right? Um, the first being like, there's so much, like there's so much free resources out there now, um, that just doing a little bit every day will get you farther into your goals, um, networking and finding a mentor. I'm sorry. I can't mentor everybody, Yeah, <laughs> but <laughs> as much as I'd love to, um, like it sucks that the interview process is still like studying. Like, I don't think that we should have to study as hard as we do for our interviews, but um, just being able to study and also just getting to know people that are in it. Like, I think every single state and city has a tech scene or a scene of people who want to break into it and just kind of like powwowing with them over like your, um, your love of it because I can't imagine that there's not that anymore like everything revolves around you know iPhones and pixel books and stuff like that um, so just finding communities where you can find help or at least just talk about it because um, I think everyone has knowledge like everyone has knowledge and I think most people are willing to share it so um, I think community is going to be one of the biggest things that uh, like you were saying that we're not rallying behind this like, yay, let's get more black people into tech thing. Um, I think that forming these communities is going to uh, spark that. Do you have any uh, role models uh, yourself that's kind of, they're, they're doing amazing things and, and kind of you admire them from afar. Are there any yeah. role models out there? Inside of tech, one of my partners, her name is Diane Eisnor. She founded Waze in the U.S. Um, she's who I do the Neighborhood Start Fund with. Um, 
she's one of those like i don't give anyone has to say i'm gonna be a boss like she's a mom yeah um and like after ways got bought by google now she's doing this super secret amazing project where she's like gonna be one of the lead like she's such an amazing person um and she also shows empathy i think that that's something that kind of sometimes gets lost with success is they lose empathy people lose empathy for for others that and like we always want people to be like ourselves but i think diane wants people to be their best self um so she is someone that i really look up to and you could kind of call her and she helps yeah you. okay yeah nice. i mean yeah. i try not to bother her because she's such a busy woman yeah <laughs> but um every time i can i mean we have to work together with all the neighborhood start fund stuff that we do but she always like she provides a good perspective because I know a lot of the time I get stuck in this like black in tech. Oh, it sucks being a woman in tech stuff. And she's sometimes is that like, eh, you're good. Like sometimes you need that. Like yeah. it's very easy to, you know, get cynical and get like, oh, this is so hard. It's so hard. But she's just like, screw him, whatever. Uh, Outside of tech, it's Oprah. I listen to Oprah's podcast every morning. Okay, nice. yeah, yeah. A special thanks to Bria Sullivan. Uh, how can people uh, follow you on Twitter? What's your handle? And then also, when can they expect to see your, your courses? Um, so my Twitter handle is Bria underscore Sullivan, B-R-I-A underscore Sullivan. And the same for my Instagram handle. And uh, my courses will be out by the end of July. And um, hopefully I can get some people to sign up and so people can stop wasting money on um, technical talent that they probably shouldn't have. Uh, thank you for all you're doing in the community and lifting other people up. Really appreciate you coming on the show. Let's go. Thank you. Thanks, everybody, for listening to Go. You can check me out at Jamarla Martin on Twitter and also come check us out at mogulden.com. That's M-O-G-U-L dom.com be sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter you can get the latest information on crypto tech economic empowerment and politics let's go